welcome to another episode of the podcast where we talk about Rust and Rust-related things. So, what have you been up to since our last episode? Mostly diving into uh, WGPU for graphics programming. Um, I can I can get into a lot of that, uh, but the the long story short is that um, I have a framework called Cludgeon um, that is uh, um, meant to. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's just too distracting. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I, I'm going to pretend that I just had started responding to your, to your answer again. But, um, I, technically the answer is no to answer your question. Um, the, uh, I, I have a different program that I installed, uh, called caffeine. And this is just a funny little anecdote. Um, before I actually try to say this again, I was playing Diablo four the other day and I'd finally got it set up such that I didn't have to have steam running. <laughs> But I play it on a controller, not a mouse and keyboard. And so I was sitting there in the middle of a dungeon. All of a sudden, all my monitors shut off on me because <laughs> so, I didn't oh, have Steam no. running anymore. And Blizzard's Battle.net or Diablo weren't keeping my monitors awake on their own. So I, uh, instead of forcing myself to launch Steam, I installed this thing called Caffeine. So I've been They clearly of- should have written Diablo 4 in Rust. This would not have happened if they would have written it in Rust. We, we know this to be true, right? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, let's just keep this. That was a pretty, it was an okay anecdote. Um, so <laughs> let's get back, getting back into uh, the whole Cludgeon thing. Um, so uh, uh, Cludgeon uh, was originally written by me when I was trying to start writing uh, my own game. Um, I tried a bunch of different rendering engines at the time, and none of them really fit. Uh, with what I wanted to do. Um, and there's a huge caveat that I'll put right up front right now is that when I started this, Bevy didn't exist. So that wasn't even an option. Um, there were a bunch of other frameworks that I tried out and for various reasons, different things that I was trying to do, it, they, they weren't quite fitting what I wanted. And, uh, and so ultimately I ended up finding this other library that wrapped WGPU at the time. And eventually I kind of just uh, kind of spun that off into my own little thing because that author stopped maintaining that um, uh, little thing. So anyways, uh, it's been this neat little project that is pretty performant overall, um, but uh, there's some gotchas with what my vision of what I thought the ideal user interface frameworks render native renderer would be doing versus what Cludgeon was really set up to do. And to me, overall, the API of Cludgeon was a little uh, cumbersome, a little verbose, um, and, and just some various things that I, I wasn't super thrilled with. Um, the other thing was that it was using really outdated font rendering um, libraries, and there are new things like Cosmic Text, which is from uh, uh, System76 uh, developers uh, that uh, write, uh, make the uh, Linux-based laptops and uh, desktops, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, they wrote a nice little... Uh, Not spot. Sponsored, by not the sponsored, way. no. Uh, but they write, wrote this open source uh, text rendering framework with uh, in Rust um, called Cosmic Text, and I wanted to support that in in Cludgeon because uh, it it is just a much more mature uh, font rendering uh, library that supports stuff like right to left text and stuff like that. Uh, all these things that you don't even think about as an English speaker usually uh, when you're going and uh, and implementing these things, um, and. Uh, in the process of wanting to try to adopt that, um, someone had pointed out uh, this cool project called Glyphon, which just basically wraps um, the uh, Cosmic Text library uh, so that you can use it with any WGPU application. Um, but the way that I had written Cludgeon, it hid WGPU so much that there was no way you could, as a Cludgeon user, use it. And so I started thinking more about 
how WGPU applications should be architected, um, which uh, inspired by um, by Glyphon, um, how how they actually set up their their API, um, which actually is inspired by some guidelines that WGPU uh, has actually released themselves on how to kind of make these mod- things modular. So I, I had this goal of trying to see if I could re envision Cludgeon in a way that actually fit the WGPU e- ecosystem better. Could I make it so that you can have a sprite and uh, and vector rendering layer that you could have a simple interface similar to the Glyphon interface. Uh, so that was my goal this week. And um, I'm kind of partway there. Uh, and it's just been kind of a, a slow slog as uh, graphics programming can be for someone who's not like a real pro at it. Um, but I'm really happy with the progress. Um, there's a lot of improvements that I've done with Cludgeon so far, but I've kind of had to make a trade-off. Cludgeon in the old version, even though I said that I didn't love the the API perfectly, it was actually pretty easy to use. Um, whereas the new version is really efficient, uh, which is uh, uh, and not quite as easy to use because of some of the restrictions that WGPU, WGPU puts on you um, with the render pass lifetimes and stuff, uh, which uh, is probably too complex to dive in. So uh, that's all I've been working on all week, pretty much. Um, I've done a few random things here and there, had some personal distractions too. Um, but you know, uh, I've been mostly working on this, um, and I'm kind of curious, uh, for you to take a look at it eventually, uh, if, if it ends up, uh, being part of a native renderer for, for GUI. So what have you been up to this week? I have been doing a lot of different things. I have been writing a little bit of JavaScript. So those of you who are using the website to listen to the podcast, there's now the possibility to link to a specific, uh, timestamp in the podcast. If you want to share a particular um, piece of of the soft uh, of the software, sorry, of the, of the podcast with uh, one of your many friends, you can do so by the click of a button, right? So I did a little bit of that, um, and then I have been uh, spending my mornings going down to the sea fishing with my with my kid, um, and she she says that we need to buy a boat, and she posts at a uh, she sort of pointed at a yacht, and I thought that's that would that would be great, but. Um, <laughs> Right, that's not going to happen, right? Um, so anyway, so yeah, I've been doing that, and then and I've been working on on the TUI, and uh, I started I started exploring um, WGPU a little bit, but I I did not get particularly far with in in that journey, right? So I've I've parked that for now. Um, I've mostly been working on on um, Anathema and my my TUI library, and I have made some pretty good progress now. Today, I managed to get this working in in doing the rendering, and I've added a pluggable event system. What, one of the questions I got when I wrote one of the many previous versions of this was, do we have to use events the way that you have programmed them? So we kind of get events provided by the runtime. And, and I thought, well, yes, of course you have to, right? We have to get the events from somewhere. But then um, I thought about it some more, and I figured out that we can just make this thing into a trait with some same defaults. Now, this is not any kind of revelation, but it was a really nice sort of so coming up with this thing. So we, we can just we can quickly just throw an event system in there, which gives you a closure that you, you provide a closure over the data and the and the widget tree and the event that you get, and then you can do whatever you want with that, right? So if you if you wanna if you want to write events where, where you can just want to, you want to just increment a counter when you push a button, regardless of what's going on, you can very easily do that. But if you want to build an event system where you can attach events to the elements in the way that you can kind of imagine 
um, events in JavaScript is you have an on-click event and, and so on. You can do that. You can just write this thing um, and and just base this on top of the raw information, which is just the event, the widget tree, and the data context, and then provide this to the end user. So I think that's been... That's sort of giving the best of, of both worlds, right? We have a, a basic one that you can start off with uh, just to sort of, you know, explore this thing. But if you really want to take this one step further, you can use another event system. And of course, I want to make some of these available as, as sort of third-party additional crates to this. I don't want to force a particular event system in there. Um, so given this, we're, we're kind of, we're almost there now. So what's left to do for me is to figure out how I can sort of group various templates and communicate between templates. And this sounds a little bit like components. So I guess that's sort of where I'm going. And the other thing that I'm going to do is it's very raw in its current state. It will just rebuild the uh, widget tree. And that's bad. I want to be able to preserve state between uh, renders and I would like to do some diffing between the trees. And it's, it, that sounds like the old way of doing things. But in this case, it's going to be a very small tree because we're only looking at what's visible. So it's a very kind of a, it's, it's not, even though you have um, the possibility of having millions of widgets in there, if you wanted to, you're still only going to diff what is visible on screen, right? So at least it will be a little bit cheaper in that regard. And I'm hoping that I am going to be able to lock down the API to the degree that any more performance improvements are going to be non-breaking changes, right? So so in the world of Semver, I can hmm. do patch releases for optimizations until we hit, sort of upon having to make a larger release again for, for this um, um, like a larger change to to the whole thing, right? Nice. Uh, but so that's anyway. That's that's what I've been. That's what I'm working on. So what, with. Uh, when you say pluggable event systems, uh, like what what kind of event systems are you talking about? Like what sort of uh, what do you have currently that drives the event system, and what might someone actually want to do differently? Well, that's a good question. It, 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 right now, all I'm using is so this is built on top of cross term, right? So I'm using the cross term pull and read. Um, combination which gives us this non-blocking um, way of reading events. So you give like a, a 20 millisecond timeout or whatever. So he was trying to read events. If nothing happens, it's just going to time out and, and kind of get on with it, right? Um, so he's doing this. Uh, and then I've built an additional one, which is based on a Flume channel. So now you can start reading events from anywhere else in another thread, in another part of your application, and you can just pass the event on to Flume. But if you do, even if you don't want to use this thing, as long as you can produce an actual event, um, you, can, you can have your own event provider. So you can send your own events however you want to, right? But in, imagine in majority of cases, people are going to want to use the, 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 the cross-term events because right? it's already present. Right? Mm-hmm. But if you did want some other event provider, you can do that and, uh, and then send that via the, the Flume channel. And even if you don't even want to use any of these two, you just have to implement the the one of the traits for for providing events and one of the traits for handling the events and then just pass that into into the runtime. So it it should be reasonably straightforward as well. Just to look at the existing code. I think we, we're talking about like ten lines of code for the whole thing, right? For just just the traits and it's very very simplistic. And then you can build on top of that where you can then extend this to be whatever kind of event system you want it to be, as long as you pass the 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 actual anathema event down to to the runtime right because there is of course special events like a quit event which will end the run loop otherwise there's no way of 
of gracefully <laughs> ending your applications, right? So uh, we have a quit event. And there was a, there was a bit of a uh, last-minute uh, change that I made. And, and there was, uh, there was a bar, I ran into a bug today as I was doing this on stream. And, uh, and, and, uh, and just before we started recording the podcast, I realized that the, the, bug, the bug was quite severe. I was filling up the current frame with widgets, but I never cleared it be- between frames. So if this thing was running for a long time, you'd run out of memory, right? Because you just keep filling up the frame with widgets and widgets and widgets. Details. Um, but uh, yeah, so that would have been a little bit of a disaster, right? Uh, but, uh, but I'm very excited about this thing. I'm very excited because um, even though I'm lacking documentation and I need more test coverage, and, I, and I've been using, uh, using Danaka's um, test, very, very pretty test coverage tool, right? You've, you've no doubt seen mm-hmm. that before me. Um, and, and it looks very good. And I've been using that to look at the, the, the amount of test coverage I have. Of course, I'm not going to go for um, 100% test coverage, but, um, but I at least want better test coverage, right? So, so that's going to be a part of, of, of that. So on my holiday, I'm going on a holiday after uh, this week. So on, on Sunday, we're leaving. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to spend some of my holiday, as you do, writing tests and documentation mm-hmm. and enjoying myself. Right? Sounds like a wonderful holiday. Yeah, I mean, is, isn't that the best, right? Yeah. Isn't that the best, <laughs> the best you can do on a holiday? <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, my wife has planned this holiday. I don't know anything about it. I just me and, me and my kid, we're just coming along. We don't know anything. It's like a surprise for us. And I've already planned to bring my laptop and spend a lot of my time. <laughs> working on these things um so i think i kind of answered your question and then added a lot that's totally fine Uh, i do i do i do think that that uh you you've given us a new topic that isn't on our sheet though um because uh you know we we haven't really started working together yet um and i i want to stress that work-life balance is very important (laughs) so um (laughs) you know if someday you decide you want to take a vacation after we've actually started working on stuff um do not feel the need to take your laptop i will want to have the ability someday to take a break too and not take my laptop with me as well so uh, it's a i think that's perfectly legit but i would say that going somewhere without my laptop would probably induce more stress than not right um because no matter where i am in whatever boring situation i can always (laughs) write code to entertain myself right um I'll give you an example. Last year, we did another one of these surprise uh, holidays. And, and part of our travels through through Europe, we ended up in, I think we ended up in, this must have been like Denmark or, or some country like that. And, and we went to this hotel, which was, I think it was called something like Cabin Hotel. And I didn't, it didn't quite get the name until I saw the hotel rooms. And they were literally like train cabins, like a sleeper carriage. There was like two beds, um, two bunk beds, and then you had about one meter between the edge of the bed and the wall. <laughs> and my kid absolutely loved this. I don't understand why, but she thought this was the best thing ever. I thought it was the most claustrophobic thing I've ever done. Um, and and uh, but I had my laptop, so I could sit in in the in the in the, in the bunk bed. I got the top one, right? So I get to sit in the top one with my laptop or sit as much as you could sit with a low <laughs> ceiling but you know dangle my legs over the edge and, and do a little bit of programming i thought that kind of made the whole experience quite bearable because it's like um it, it's, it's now and i have nothing against this hotel it was a very affordable hotel and i'm sure it's very nice i didn't interact with any of the staff but but it was nice and it was clean but it was hideously small and and i think without the laptop it would have been a, a terrible 
um, that no, will stay in this. That's hotel. that's fair enough. I I am just uh, recounting back to when I was running my previous business. Um, I was uh, I had a philosophy that no one else should have to be. Uh, you know, dealing with an emergency if I'm not able to be around. And that was partly because I actually owned the company and a lot of the employees didn't really have any or maybe not very much ownership stake. And, you know, I always felt like asking people to come in outside of normal hours for an emergency was not a great thing to do. Um, that, there was also a lot of stuff that I just built up on my own that, you know, uh, I, I never told people how to, to deal with um, from the early years of building a business. Um, and so it took a very long time to get to the point that I could actually take a vacation at the end of running the business where I didn't feel like I had to actually bring my laptop. I still brought my laptop, but I didn't actually have to get it out all the time, which is always you know a, a nice feeling when I finally got there. So part of this chapter of my life is wanting to try to make sure that when we build something, even when we have it live, that it's, uh, it's able to kind of run itself in such a way that that, you know, I, I, because of germs and various other reasons, I don't really want to go on a cruise these days. But uh, if, if, <laughs> if it wasn't so scary to potentially get, you know, these uh, diseases these days on, on cruises, I would love to be able to disconnect for a week and just, you know, go on a really nice holiday like that and just know that no one can get a hold of me on the Internet, you know? I yeah and um, and the thing is I'm not I'm not mad. I've only been on one cruise I've taken the boat the sort of the Dover Calais ferry um that's the the short ferry uh, that well the, the ferry trip is short the, the ferry itself isn't that short um and it goes between it goes between Dover Calais right it's between England and France and I've taken that many times when I've gone sort of biking around Europe. Um, but I've been on a cruise with my mother-in-law and my family and, and, and a whole bunch of other people um, only once in my life. It was kind of enjoyable. We did, I did manage to get a noise complaint uh, from, from, from a bar that had loud music. They, 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 came, they came and said, we've had a bit of a noise complaint. Because I was outside of the bar and I had all the kids that was with us on the cruise were sort of, sort of around me playing and sort of running around and you can't do anything about this like there's herding cats right there's nothing and they're all up and down and then obviously as I was the only ground uh, sort of grown up in, in the circle of, of, of this this noise right they they came up from the bar and said listen we've we received a noise complaint and I thought the irony of 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 all these drunk people shouting in there is coming to give me a noise complaint when I'm just standing still trying trying to not lose children as they <laughs> sort of hopping about but i thought it was quite enjoyable but I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one i don't think i want to go on a cruise now because the very idea of of getting sick when you're very far from land seems quite uh, it doesn't seem that appealing right um yeah now i'm 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 not i'm not a germaphobe but i will i will most certainly wash my hands every time i come in through the door and this is even if i just sort of go outside to check the mail out of habit i would just wash my hands when i come in and i think a lot of people have, have sort of gotten this habit yeah um, of doing that through through via COVID, essentially, that's that's what happened to me. I've gotten way better at washing my hands. It's embarrassing how infrequently I washed my hands before COVID. You know, now that I've changed, I feel okay talking about it. But you know, it's uh, <laughs> it was kind of shameful how dirty I was a few years ago. <laughs> 
I think, but I think, I think everyone has become a lot better, right? I mean, we had, uh, we had, we had like it was, it was sort of. But I, you know, what? I'm gonna f- confess, I do something else. When I go to the supermarket, we have these like we still have this hand cleaning. Uh, you like you put your hand under and you get mm-hmm. a little bit of a shower on your hand and you stuff. I smell those every time because I'm convinced that half the stores are just using water in these ones because <laughs> you can't smell the isopropyl alcohol or, or whatever they have in there. Like you can't smell that in some of them. And I'm thinking like, this isn't, this is just, this is just water. This is, this is a scam, <laughs> right? But I, I, I mean, I'm, I can't, I can't prove this. Like, other than I don't know, I say, listen, I want to speak to the manager and I put on my tinfoil hat and I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on this, right? You, you guys are using tap water <laughs> inside this thing and it's like no listen crazy person please leave the store right i think it's uh, i think it's a, a a great thing that we're like improved on our on our hygiene just because you know less germ spreading and because this is good for people who you know what this this is derailing to something very very different so uh, making a game yeah, how's that gonna good. work out right? let's let's talk about that a little bit right oh but first i gotta ask you what's your favorite flavor <laughs> ice cream i don't have one there's too many i i had some chocolate chip cookie dough yesterday it was delicious but um uh the there's a brand called tillamook that i i've been really enjoying a lot of their different stuff um they have a limited edition orange and cream which is like an, a, a creamsicle type uh, ice cream and it was delicious uh, I don't know it's whatever sounds good for me for that week what, what's, what's, what about you I, I like uh, pistachio ice cream I think that's pretty good I read this I, I read this uh, recipe we bought an ice yeah. cream maker once and I read this recipe online for pistachio ice cream and I followed the recipe to a T and, uh, and it turned out there was a typo in the recipe so for a liter of ice cream I used um, four deciliters of sugar, so there's like almost fifty percent sugar, and it wouldn't <laughs> freeze. It, it was so much sugar that the thing would not freeze, and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And I tasted the whole thing, and it was like eating raw sugar. It was like it was just it was just dreadful. But other than that, other than the ice cream I made, I think pistachio ice cream is, is, is very good. Right? So we we are getting very close to actually start off doing a bit of game development. This is very exciting. I, I don't know if we're gonna start fully uh, before I go, of course, because that's on Sunday. But but we're kind of we're close to. Okay, no, thing. no, I don't a, think so. so. I still got to finish <laughs> off a few things on Anathema and, and, and the likes, right? But no, I'm I'm very excited about this thing. Like, what's your thoughts around starting points? Because I I like the idea that we kind of have. I don't know if we really went into any details of this, but sort of making the game as a library and, and working on the server stuff. Well, I there's a there's a lot. Um, so because I've been fun employed for longer than you, um, I, uh, I, when we first started talking about this, I hit the ground running. And so there's a few things out there that are private, um, that, you know, have some very basic, uh, structures started building up. Like, um, I created this thing that I've, I've nicknamed Mudgeon for, uh, being a multi-user dungeon mud, uh, engine. Um, and, uh, with, with the idea that there was, uh, some core stuff to deal with networking and data storage and how you uh, set up a bunch of different rooms that I'm putting in air quotes because a room might mm. be a solar system in our game, for example. It's just really meant to be an area that things can exist in, right? Um, and, and how do you stand up a bunch of different rooms slash areas in such a way that um, we have a uh, world ticking, um, meaning we're moving forward in time in uh, specific increments of, of, of time, um, in a parallel fashion so that we can have 
10 CPUs or whatever, and we actually utilize them all using something like Rayon, for example. Um, so I've started like building some of those things up, but they're also kind of like meant to be generic. Um, and I don't know if they're necessarily on exactly the right path because I worked on them in isolation. Um, and so there might be a temptation to go and start looking at that as a starting point. Um, but the part that I was getting to with that was I was almost to the point that I needed to log into something and I needed a user interface. <laughs> and that's essentially what kicked me off on my latest exploration of GUI. Um, so part of me wonders whether or not we should start working on the game or whether or not we should uh, take stock of, you know, whether or not there's other ways that we might want to present this game than GUI um, using, you know, an existing library instead. Um, and we've kind of had some conversations off and on on that, but we just haven't really committed one way or the other. But I could see ourselves, if we decide that we like the the pitch of what GUI is, which is what I'm hoping for personally, because that's what I've been working on. Um, but uh, if we decide that's the way we want to go, then it feels like we really just start working on that until we have the ability to create like a basic login flow. Because once we have that, then we can try tiny it into whatever server system we have. And at that point, that feels like maybe it's time for us to revisit that project and see, is it even what we want to start with, right? Does it, is it actually fit our goals now that we've had, you know, cause that was written a few months ago. I don't even know if it fits perfectly what I would do if I started it today. So I don't know. I've now rambled a bit. Um, so I would say, you know, UI or potentially the server stuff. Um, but I don't know. Now you've heard me talk about that. What, what What's do you think? The minimum amount of work we would have to do to get a kind of a login screen right what's what's what would be required to get and i guess not just a login screen right because logging in we could theoretically just you know write a, a fake login screen in in or, or or whatever right and then just get this kind of text feedback uh, if we wanted to right um, yeah. So I'm guessing it's not just the login screen. We would have a login screen and then maybe some kind of, I don't know, time map or... At least chat to start with, um, you know, like even if, it's, if even if we don't have an actual like where our character or our spaceships are being displayed yet, but all we have is the ability to just log in and have both of our usernames chat with each other, you know, or our character names rather chat with each other. Um, that would be a start. Right. Um, and then we can start adding like an actual character <laughs> or an actual spaceship or something like that, uh, depending mm. on where no, we want to start the experience. At. We do need the, the facility to log in on the server side as well. So there is maybe there's like, can, can there be mm -hmm. two starting points here? I mean, I guess you can't have two starting points, but we can sort of have two things yes. running in almost in parallel, right? Would that be maybe that be a be a thing, right? Yeah, but it's at the same time, like if if we decide that we actually want to work on GUI to the point that we could use it for for that thing, to me, we now have the ability to create a fake login screen as the first latch on point or the first thing that we really need to tackle. Because if we can't do that with our user interface framework, we can never actually connect to the server we want to write eventually. So we can fake a remote server with a channel or even just, you know, a, you know, just a function that returns true or something like that, you know, uh, uh, to check the va validate password. This, return this true, should you know, be every return password or something system like that. ever. Um, they just return true and you're done. Exactly. So it, uh, to me, if we want to actually build the, the GUI framework, uh, we don't have to tie it into the server right away. Instead, we, we try to list the different functionality we think we need from the, the framework and we start building examples that show off that those functionality um, and then once we have 
our list of things we think we need, we can start, you know, putting it together in something that connects to something, which may be the thing that I've started writing, but I really, I legit, even though there's code there, I, I can, I'm happy to throw it away and start fresh because it's been long enough. I have to, I'm going to have to spend time rereading to understand what it all does too. Um, so it, it, yeah, I can right. take it or leave it pretty much, but I'm really interested in pursuing GUI though. Like that's, that's where my heart is. And so I'm, I'm hoping that at the, uh, you know, once you're kind of wrapping up with TUI that, uh, we can have some, some sit down sessions and poke around with what I have a little bit more than what we've done so far. And, you know, you might get your, you know, toes dirty a little toes wet a little bit to uh, try and you know improving something or i think um so once i'm done with tui we're gonna look at gui right that's what i'm what i'm hearing and i know this there's people out there who's gonna who's, who thinks why aren't you sort of combining this so you have this uh, gui framework that work that's supposed to work on the web and supposed to work in native right i say supposed to because like, we have to build all these things right and and why not just make that uh, work as a two as well right and and to that i have a very different goal with Anathema, so there is not going to be, uh, we're not going to integrate these two together, right? I think that would be a mistake. I don't know how usable the ability to just take the same code that runs on web and you know desktop environments and make it work in a in a TUI environment is. Like to me, you almost need. It almost necessitates a separate representation because it's just a completely different environment, um, which means that I would want to encourage us to think about when we're designing the structure of our application such that we separate the actual like um, game logic and everything that needs to be known to be able to present it, s- to keep that separate from the actual user interface stuff. So uh, the idea being that we could have a separate client written in Anathema or whatever TUI thing uh, that we wanted to use. Um, so that we could have a TUI app as well as the native app. I just, I'm not sold that you can have the same uh, representation of your application work really well, both as a TUI and as a standalone GUI application. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think I don't that? know enough to to <laughs> to answer that. I don't either. I start almost every answer to your questions with I think and I'm and I'm and I think <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> um so yes, this is um this is definitely a question I would love to to be able to write an interface for the terminal just because I have this silly romantic notion that I am going to run a game client on a server somewhere that I can just shell into, and it would just keep the game open there. So I just sort of SSH into this, I don't know, VPS, and uh, you know, make a few moves and do a few things, and then I get out of there, you know, screen or T Max, right, and get out of there, and then get on with something, and then you know, hop in again and see if anything's happened, right? And of course, you could just run the game, but I, I think this touches. Yeah, I think this touches on something though. When you run most games, though, what's your experience? Like, do you do you play many phone games these days? I, I don't. I I got so fed up with gems and boosters that I cannot get myself. To, <laughs> yeah, and I I asked on my Discord. I asked my community, "Can you guys recommend some some good games that I can play on my phone?" Uh, that that isn't gems and boosters, right? Can, is that, I don't I don't mind paying for a game, right? I think it's it's completely all right. I, I love Steam's model. Steam is wonderful. I can buy a game if it doesn't work on Linux. I can just refund it, 
right? And and I I think someone said mm-hmm. you can actually do this on on the Android App Store as long as you do it within like two hours or whatever. I don't know. I didn't didn't confirm that, right? But I, but I didn't. Know. I won't quote you on the time, but they they do have an automated refund policy um, that you can take advantage of too. Oh, that's wonderful! Then I'm definitely going to play more mobile games, right? That I'm happy to pay for the 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 the, the freemium thing in my head. There is nothing free about it. It's more like here's a demo that you have to pay to keep running. Yeah, right? that's what freemium means to me. Right? It's not free. And with limited functionality, it's most of the time it's free for a short period, and then you're gonna have to start sinking money into it. And it's this kind of never-ending financial black hole. They're very rarely like you pay two dollars, two pounds, two euros, or whatever, and then you can enjoy the game for another two, three months, or whatever. Right? No, it's like you pay this, and then you waste those resources straight away, and you have to sort of pay again, right? It's a, yeah. So to me, freemium is, is the opposite of, of, of that, of, of free, right? Yeah. Um, this, is, this was a slightly different topic than I meant to get into right away, but I, I it is a good oh, one because sorry. it gets... A, no, Tripsy, you're fine. It's a, it's a monetization <laughs> is a, is a, is a um, challenge, right? Because people obviously need to make money, and our goal is to make money with our game, too. <laughs> uh, but I agree with you completely that I don't want... Uh, these types of mechanics that are designed to get you to pay more and more and more and more money. Um, in my opinion, if we can't make a MMO the way that we want to, you know, the way we've talked about our, our goals of a game for being an MMO, um, if we can't make this type mm. of game be fundable via a, uh, a subscription um, model that is very affordable. And I mean, on the order of a few bucks a month sort of thing. Um, I don't really want to make this game anymore to some extent. And because you and I mm. are pretty, uh, you know, uh, don't need that much, uh, income these days to, to kind of make ends meet, um, for, for various reasons in theory, that's attainable. You know, the, there's this whole, uh, thousand true fans, uh, you know, idea out there that, you know, all you really need is a thousand true fans to support, you know, support you and you can make a living in general. Um, and Mm. you know, I, I think I really ascribe, subscribe to that philosophy. Um, and I don't think that finding a thousand people to play a game that I think is good, um, should, you know, be hard. And I am, I'm my own, I'm very tough on myself in terms of criticizing whether or not what I think I built is actually good. So, uh, to me, if, uh, if I can't get to the thousand, I'm, I'm hopeful that I will think that it's not good too. <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I don't want to deal with, uh, the, the monetization models that, uh, prey on the so-called whales, um, uh, where you try to find the high dollar spinners, uh, spenders. Uh, I would rather it actually be a community thing that, you know, there's a bunch of people who are paying little tiny amounts of money to keep the thing running. Uh, because that to me would make it feel more like an active live thing, knowing that everyone you're playing with, um, is also supporting this game with that little tiny amount and no one has an unfair advantage because they're paying for extra energy or whatever, you know, or, or just flat out paying for leveling up in some games. Like, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty silly what you can pay for these days. So yeah, you, you can pay to not have to play the game. I think that's pretty, pretty, yeah. uh, pretty good. And I think I don't, I don't know what's worse that people that, that that you can pay to not have to play, or that people actually do. I feel like you kind of you can win the Olympic medal, or you can buy it, and it's like hmm, you know. <laughs> You're kind of missing the point there a little yeah. bit, right? With the, with the game, right? I was going to say I am not a hardcore gamer, right? But when I do find a game that I like, 
I think I put a lot of time into something and then I mentioned this on stream and I said I think I got like 47 hours into a game and then people were laughing at me because apparently that's not a lot of time <laughs> in a game but to me that's like that's a lot of time but I have played a lot of games as a as a youth right I played a lot of games and I enjoyed playing games I was very sort of involved in the games I was playing they consumed my entire existence right you're sitting there you're playing these wonderful um games and it was really into them, right? So I, I, I want to feel that again. Mm-hmm. And I do that with some games. And I think that's really important. I think there are people out there who, who, who would share that. They kind of want to, they want a game that they can get immersed into. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not I'm specifically not talking about from a graphical perspective. I'm talking about a game that you're kind of involved in, you, you chat with people, that the game is not just a game, but also a community, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, it, and, and like you're saying, it doesn't exist around buying into um, a kind of currency or, or anything like that. Like the, 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 the amount you pay for the game is just to support the game existing. It's not a, you know, I'm funding these people's private yet. Right, I was right. to say yacht there, but it was it's a flying. I'm not funding this guy's private flying boat, right? right. It's, not, it's not that, <laughs> you know. So it's just like, you know. Um, so I think that's uh, that's kind of that's gonna that's gonna build a better community as well. I think, right? And 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 I, and I observe this with with the, the community that's built up around my uh, streaming as well. It's like it's a, it's the most wonderful community. Uh, that I have ever seen, um, and I want the game world to feel the same, mm-hmm. right? I want it to be, you know, people are there, people are helping each other, people are solving problems together, and and all these things. And it's not around pay to win or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But but no, absolutely, it's more about the community thing, right? So um, yeah, yeah. So um, circling back, the the I said that the monetization and stuff wasn't actually what I was originally trying to bring up. Um, you had mentioned uh, <laughs> how you wanted to have like almost like a terminal that you could, you know, uh, persist terminal-based client that you could have on a VPS uh, that you could SSH into and, you know, just immediately be in the world. The way games should be played, right? Well, yes and no. I agree with part of your desire there, but I would solve it in a different way. (laughs) So um, I I would, I would, uh, there's a, there's a metric that I was trying to come up with a name of while you were, while you were uh, talking and and the best I could come up with is a time to play the, the, uh, the, the average, you know, time to live or whatever would be the alternate. This is time to play. Um, When I click on the app, whether it's on my phone, whether it's, I go to a browser or whether I launch it via Steam someday, or whatever, wherever our game is, the time until I can actually move my character around should be as little as possible, in my opinion. There are so many. The reason why I asked you how many games do you play, and uh, you know, mobile games do you play, is I download games that have like really good ratings on my phone, and then I'll launch them, and I realize that it takes like almost a minute or something, like some absurd amount of time for me to be sitting there with a loading screen that I can't interact with and i'm just waiting to play the game and i don't like waiting to play a game uh, especially when it's a mobile thing so in my opinion uh you know it would be great that when i click on this you know my mmo game that yeah i'm just taken right back to where i was you know and and the way that we've described our, our world a lot is that you know uh, it may be that maybe it's when you're in a, a safe area where there's no possibility of enemies or something like if you're walking around your ship uh, when you log in, you should just immediately, you know, 
you should just be able to immediately be there. Whereas maybe if you're in an unsafe area, there might be something that, you know, uh, lets you take a moment to adjust your, you know, to your surroundings before you're uh, fully in the world or something. I'm not sure. But uh, to me, optimizing how quickly you can get in the game is, is going to be a big deal because I, I don't like waiting. And and this we're always going to solve this by always returning true on the login screen. Exactly. Then there's like there's no there's no we don't need to do password. Right? But 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 jokes aside, uh, time to play is sounds like a good metric. And and I would sort of like to 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 recycle this word a little bit um, because this is also what you get when you start up again for the first time. And um, and I feel like modern AAA games these days there is so much going on before the game give you control, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a crime called unskippable cutscenes, right? That, <laughs> that, that, is, that, that, should be, that should definitely be a crime if it isn't. It should be classified as a crime. I think unskippable cutscenes is a terrible idea, and, and if you do it in 2023, just, you, you need to stop that. But, but it's not only that. Uh, I've been playing Cyberpunk uh, 2077. I think it's a it's a it's a, a a game that has a lot of jank, and I love these bugs. There is so many things that is bananas in this game because of of, of, of bugs, and I love all of them because they let you do so many strange things. But the game is really fun. But there's like there's a big portion of the game that you have to play before you actually get the whole world open to you. And I don't know if I like that because I sort of want to just go off on my own. And I and I like the vision of our games to be a little bit like that. You start off, you're going to have information available on how to play. We obviously have to help a player, a first-time player, understand how to play the game. But I would definitely want to start off with not kind of compartmentalizing the player into a dark room and, and saying, here's eight hours of dialogue that you have to grasp before you're allowed to to even pilot your ship around or whatever it is, right? Because we want to be very, very specific on, on all this stuff, right? So, so um, we, of course, haven't talked about this thing, but, but the time to play is I, I want to be able to just get into a game, right? And then this would also, I say, resume maybe a terminal and, and keep playing. Uh, but that might as well also just be starting the client and logging in as well. Exactly. Right? Just, just logging in, you are where you are. Because we want to drive a lot of the game from the server so the client is more or less just an interface, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's uh, um, that's uh, now of course we haven't really gone into any in depth of these uh, how we're gonna do this but I think that's kind of the the um, I get the impression that's what we both sort of stood when it, when it came to this we we must have talked about this yeah I, I've I've even gone as far as um, believing that I should be able to have the game client open on my computer launch it on my phone while I go away from the computer for a few minutes you could fill in the blanks with however you might imagine me what, what I'm doing in that period of time uh, and be <laughs> on my phone cream, do, playing the game for those few minutes and then get back to my computer and I'm still logged in on my computer because logging on the phone didn't disconnect me um, and you know I'm able to just continue playing like that to me is a really nice idea that you know it's just a seamless uh, experience that you know the game can just follow me however I want to to play it. Um, obviously, sometimes you do want to make it so that when you log into a new area, you get logged out of the other one, so that when you log out in your new spot, you fully log out from the game, right? Like there's there's gotchas with every flow, and you know you want to make sure you don't 
accidentally you know cause someone but uh, in in the in their idea of having a mostly safe world um y- your character being logged in and just sitting there idle isn't really a a downside you know uh, like i mean other than if there's a ton of people doing it the game would just like be kind of weird where everyone's just standing around doing nothing and it might feel like a dead world at that point um so obviously you don't want every offline person to just be able to be there idling or whatever but to me like letting you know your your game client idle at home uh, and and occasionally logging in with your phone to do stuff shouldn't really be a an unsupported flow i guess no, and I mean, I, you could you could obviously you know mark someone as as idling yeah. or whatever when when it happens, right? So I think that's kind of fine um, to do, right? I think that no, that that's that sounds pretty good. You know what we haven't uh, we haven't talked about how we're going to organize these things. So you want to you want to kick this off with the uh, user interface a little bit, right? And uh, um, if we're gonna give it a, give it a whirl working on this thing together, uh, how would you how would you like to organize these things? Should we sort of bang out a few tasks on GitHub and and hope for the best? Or do you have any much. Any thoughts? Um, I mean, with our time zones being the way they are, there's only like a few hours each day that you know we could potentially truly work side by side. And I'd love to try to start taking advantage of those more often. Um, you know, the, mm. but that, that also does happen to line, like it lines up with when I'm wake, waking up and you're about to have dinner basically. And that <laughs> doesn't always work great. Cause I also want to, you to prioritize family too. Right. And so having your evenings, uh, to your family is, is to me important too. So I don't want to take advantage of all of them, but I would love to be able to do some, uh, you know, uh, maybe once or twice a week sort of thing during those times, uh, you know, work on things kind of together you know um and and you know there might be some stuff that we legit are pair programming on as opposed to us just having to work on two things while chatting with each other and helping each other as we run into to you know issues or whatever um in terms of like yeah. figuring out what those tasks are i i don't know it really depends on when we start and what's left like right now i am wanting to take the gui stuff to the point that the 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 native layer can be implemented the rasterized layer can be implemented and uh implementing a bunch of different controls in theory or widgets uh whatever you want to call them um should be parallelizable. Like they, they, they should be like, you could take the checkbox. I could take the text editor or whatever. Which obviously those are two different scales of complexity, but uh, you know, <laughs> we can, so we can essentially divvy up, uh, you know, individual controls almost, um, and, and do it that way. Um, there's also just a lot of overarching, like, uh, you know, supporting tab navigation, you know, um, keyboard navigation, that sort of stuff, uh, that touches like all the controls, you know, like, um, there's going to be just a huge list if we end up tackling uh, an actual UI library. Um, and so I'm not really worried too much about finding the problems. Um, uh, it's going to be, yeah, just organizing. And to me, I, I don't love GitHub issues cause it's very minimalistic. Um, but at the same time, I don't like having an external issue tracking system and having to, you know, host it and pay for it or whatever. Um, so I would totally just use GitHub issues. Um, Anything so I'm other? reading between the lines yeah. here, and what I hear you saying is that we should definitely 100% build our own issue tracker because this is, you know, that that would make sense yeah. before we can do anything. Totally, else. totally. Right? Now I'm on board with that. I think uh, we can use GitHub issues, and if we, we can kind of keep it like a um, like a short vision, right? We don't yeah. we don't need to spin up a uh, hundred issues for all the imaginary scenarios. If we try to keep it uh, uh, sort of tight, then I think this can go, this can go pretty well. Right? Yeah. I'm kind of thinking that it's whatever we need to support like a login screen, 
which is, you know, the idea that you can actually pop up a login window on top of whatever the main thing is. Right. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and having, or, or at least being able to switch from a login screen, like a login UI into the game UI or whatever. Right. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a dialogue type thing. Like is what I'm trying to say is that, you know, as long as you have an ability to show a login screen and transition into the in-game UI, right? Like that's the, that's the important part of what we need. Um, and for that, we need like labels and text editors for the you know the, the email and the or the username and password fields. We need buttons. We need the ability to have like a default button. So when you hit return uh, in one of those fields, it actually submits the submits the you know the login form. You know there and we need like the cancel. So you press escape, it actually hits cancel or whatever. Like there's all these different little tiny things that all are needed to make the login flow work the way that you want it to. Um, and then it the, has to be natural. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last part of that is what's the game UI. Well, to start with, like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm okay with it just being a chat window. Or if we wanted to, I think one of the next things we're going to want is a canvas or, you know, some way to draw 2d graphics so we can implement a tile map, that, that sort of stuff. Right. Good, yeah. So, now I've listed like five total uh, widgets or whatever that we need to get started with. And so that's kind of mm. where I would get started. Um, and I would try to hesitate going too much further than that initial set until we prove that that's actually ergonomic when we're done with it, right? Like that it actually looks good, that meets all of our goals. Because if not, then we should potentially just give up <laughs> and uh, and uh, and use a web framework uh, and embrace it. You know, uh, off offline, we've we've mentioned several different ones that we think we'd be okay with. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we 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 do really like the idea of having a native Rust rendered application with the specific goals that we've that I've kind of come up with for gooey so um we're kind of we're kind of like gonna we're gonna try this um and see where where it ends up um which i'm excited for i think that's a it's a good thing to do right um i will probably be working on some of these things um off stream and see if we can get a little bit of pair programming going um in as as we get started but then i will transition some of these exactly um uh, but uh, but then uh, at some point I will probably work on these things in in public as well. So we should probably isolate a few things that shouldn't. Uh, but we're not there yet. This yeah. is more about game logic that we don't want to you know ruin the fun part of the game by making it sort of oh this is the solution to a puzzle or this is the you know secret code to grandpa's safe. I don't know what, what, what we have, right? I don't know what grandpa's doing in the game even. But, you know, any of these various things, right, that we don't want to ruin the game with as well. But, uh, no, I'm very excited about doing this. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to us getting started with, uh, with all of this stuff, right? Um, are, you, are, you, are you feeling confident? Are you, are you feeling um, are you jazzed? Are you ready to go? I, I don't know because... Uh, <laughs> I I guess that was not there, the energy I was no, expecting. No, I know, and you know, this is where the insecurities of, of, of my own, you know, like I I know how much work it is to build a GUI library because I've tried multiple times, and you know, each time I've gotten pretty far, and I've run into something where I'm like, okay, this isn't the way that I wanted it to be, and I'm worried that at the end of my experimentation here, we'll run into the same thing, and so like. 
I, I'm prepared to want to build that game. I'm excited to build a game with you. Um, and so I want to get there. Um, but I also don't want to sacrifice too much on what I think the, the vision of uh, what I think the ideal application is. The people listening probably don't even have the context. And I'm not even sure you have the full context of what, what I want. Um, my main project is still Bonsai DB. I mean, this game was originally a game was meant to be the the main project for me when I quit my job. But at the end of the day, I wanted I realized that what I wanted to do was perf- you know get myself really familiar with Rust because I felt like Rust was an up and coming language, and I still feel like it's one of the best ones to learn that uh, even though it doesn't have a ton of jobs out there yet, I think it's where there's going to be a lot of jobs in the future. Um, so, you know, I, I, that, I still believe that. Um, so I wanted to embrace Rust fully, uh, meaning I wanted to try not to have non-Rust stuff in my stack, really, is kind of what I believed in here. Um, and, uh, and as I started building Bonsai to build this kind of architecture that solves networking and storage and, and, and stuff that in a pure Rust way, um, I started realizing that what I was really building was just what my vision of the ultimate application architecture was. It's not going to be what everyone else agrees is the, their ultimate architecture, but it, at the end of the day, if I don't know how to make a game and make money with that game, <laughs> I still want to be left with frameworks that allow me to build basically any application. Like, and that's, that's why I'm focused on GUI as opposed to trying to make just a game engine um, is that I don't think that they should necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. I think that you should be able to have a canvas that renders nice and performant um, inside of your user interface, and you don't need to go learn 3D graphics programming to, to make your game nice and fast. Um, and so my vision of building that game is the same as wanting to build the admin interface for Bonsai or you know the other types of you know usable database tools you might need to to you know better debug your application and this stuff. Um, and so at the end of the day, yeah, I want GUI to build the the game, but really I want it to also build my administrative uh, user interface and stuff too. Um, you had joked about uh, you know maybe we should uh, start with, uh, with with something more like that, and uh, I, I to some extent, yeah, I, they're all related in my brain because I just want a single set of technologies that I'm building everything with, and that's kind of what I'm trying to you know hone in on is my ideal architecture. I think that's kind of an important, um, it's kind of important to have that in there as well, because that would determine whether we make something work specifically for the game, right? If we're allowed to, to uh, write something into the code that is very specific for this thing to solve a problem versus making it as generic as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and if, we, if we're going to follow your vision, then, then we won't necessarily take that approach. Then we will make it as generic as possible, right? Um, to me, this is not a problem, of course, because we're talking about making the game uh, mostly driven by the server and, and the interface is just, um, you know, whatever we want it to be um, driven by the network. So uh, it all, 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 all sounds good to me, right? It's, it all sounds yeah, good to I me. mean, there's the joke that EVE Online is spreadsheets in space, and it's not really a joke anymore because there's actually an official add-in for Microsoft Excel for, for EVE Online nowadays, um, which is pretty fun. I'm going to link to that. Uh, it was, it was a, I thought it was a joke when I saw the announcement, but then I realized it wasn't April 1st. So, uh, uh, But yeah, like to some extent, that embodies what my view on this type of game would be is that 
a lot of it is actually digging through, like searching the market, you know, to buy stuff, uh, browsing, you know, attributes on what these different items are and, you know, chatting with people and inspecting things and all these things involve interfaces and UI and stuff as opposed to the, you know, actual game, you know, in EVE Online, you could almost play it without seeing your spaceship. That's how much data driven it really is. Um, that's not fully true, but for the most part, there's this thing called the overview that you can mostly just play the game through and not have to interact with anything else. You don't have to see your ship or click on it or anything. It's, it's, and, and that ideal of like, um, it's not an ideal, but there, there's like something poetic almost about having a game that you could almost play without seeing the graphics. Um, because to me that just makes it like more immersive having the graphics there. And the, if you can still have fun without the graphics, that kind of speaks to the actual gameplay itself being fun, you know? Yeah. The, the graphics doesn't have to be everything. And we have talked about this being rather lo-fi when it comes to the graphics as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is probably a pretty good uh, place to wrap up unless you had any other topics. No, that's it for me. Uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll hopefully you'll, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We almost did it. <laughs>